if any, if you have the these Adobe products, you get this. First of all, they're they don't know how to install software. They never have, so they write their own custom garbage, which is absolute garbage, to manage software and updates and everything. Well, it's because they got to be cross-platform installers or something. I don't know. And and usually I just, I mean, I actually don't let those things run all the time. I kind of just run them. I'm surprised it auto updated on you. Normally that's. It didn't auto update. Oh, okay. And I have that off and I don't let even let it update that often because it so, has such a high probability of breaking stuff. But the other day I was like, okay, I'm going to let all these update. Mm-hmm. So I updated everything and now we come in and record and open up it. What is the new version of Audition? And of course I always choose. And when it, when it installs new versions of things, it says, hey, do you want us to copy over your settings and preferences and templates and all that stuff? And I always say yes. And I just heard your buddy Marco talking about this the other day, how horrible Adobe is <laughs> and how that never works. It never works. And sure enough, open up, templates are gone, settings are gone, uh, plugins are gone, everything's gone. Do we need to switch to the, uh, what's the Apple version of this? Don't they have like a... Logic. Logic, yeah. And I don't know, but in that same conversation, Marco was talking about how he didn't, he, I thought he used to use Logic and maybe he still does, but he was, he was actually talking about how awesome Audition is. There's just things that really no other software does mm. or at least not logic well there's only two logic in that and then you got i mean the pretty much. smaller players well those are like the leading ones yeah. right yeah no is that one mine oh i got it no spilly no spilly it's got a nice persistent head huh it does it's better than yours yours looks flat from here well poured out of the same growler now have you had this this is um my it's um what is this this is uh citra and uh, sounds familiar and it tastes familiar, but I mean it's it's citra, a very hoppy, citrusy citra and wakatu. I think I need a I need a New Zealander to help me out on the pronunciation of that. Is it wakatu or wakatu? W a k a t u. Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I was out of town <clears throat> over the weekend. And I was uh, fermenting a uh, a Dortmunder, and it's a lager, so you know you have to temperature temperature control everything. And and I couldn't really deal with that while I was out of town, so I had I took all my kegs out of my keyser mm-hmm. and dropped my fermenter down in there, and used it as basically a fermentation chamber since I couldn't manually control it since I was going to be gone. Mm-hmm. And I set it to to the right temperature for that, but then got back home. Put the kegs back in and set it back at normal keg temperature. But I wondered what it would do to the beers because the beers were actually. I believe I think I moved this in this this one into a fridge. So I think it stayed cold. So it seems fine though, huh? Yeah, you like this one? Yeah, it's good. One of the JR specials. Yeah, it's. Is this even beer <clears throat> release three or something? I was going to say, did you have a name for this one? <laughs> but supposedly that Wakatu has a like a lemon and lime thing going on. I think I get that. I also get a yeah. lot of peach on this, and I don't know why. Yeah, I can see that, now that you mention it. But. Yeah, Adobe, I mean, it's, it's weird. It's, it's, what do you make of it? It's like a, it's, it's such a dichotomy, or I don't know if that's the right word. I mean, for, for, the, for what little I use it, because, I mean, you're, you're primary on recording our audio and editing and mixing it at all, so I don't really use it to the extent you do. I, I will occasionally use it to come up to either um, record a clip or put a clip together or, you know, put a montage together, but... I mean, that's the brunt of it. But use, you know, like Photoshop. Do you use Photoshop or Illustrator uh-huh. or these things? Okay. Yeah, and it's just weird because for as much, like, really awesome software as they create, they're just so bad at, like, fairly major things. Yeah. 
Um, but I don't use it to the extent where I have setting files and plugins and things like that set up. I mean, I'm in and out of these apps on an as-needed basis. So it's never like I have this workflow built around them to really speak to. You know, speaking of Adobe, did you see that? I think the news was that Apple finally got Microsoft. Was it Microsoft? And Adobe. So Adobe so Adobe's gonna integrate more of their stuff into Microsoft and Microsoft is coming out with a new ribbon for their office products that will include some Adobe features in there. So the new story I'm thinking of was that they, they got them onto the App Store. The I think the I think the news was the app the the Mac App Store. So Apple got them on their App Store? Yeah. And I think there was plans for them to be on the App Store, sure. Let's see Adobe Apple App Store. Is that the news? News. That's the news. We're looking up the news. Um, hmm. Apple's. Oh, I, I don't know. Um, oh no, Adobe. Right. My oh, Microsoft is okay. Here we go. I don't, maybe this is old news. I don't know. Micro, but Microsoft is bringing Office three sixty five to the Mac App Store. Mm-hmm. And then also they finally got Adobe to start delivering software through the mac app store so the office 365 mobile stuff is available on the app store but they're supposed to bring the desktop version to the app store okay and then the second part of the new or not second part but another news feature is their partnership with adobe to bring more of the adobe uh, like photo like a pdf and all that kind of stuff integration into their office products okay so that's supposed to be like some like adobe toolbar specific stuff in your mm. office a little, little adobe in your office oh yeah just what i needed God, i don't i don't use 365 i mean i wonder do you think i i, I thought i read somewhere or saw some headline and it, it i didn't really explore it any further because i really don't care but so i'm gonna ask you if you care do you care if if because it seems like adobe's kind of on the verge of of a being ready to be bought by another company just with so much integration and things like that going on with all these other partnerships and things going on with Microsoft. Do you think they might be ripe to be a Microsoft product someday or maybe even an Apple product someday? So they're, so they're at 7 billion in revenue. Um, what's their market cap? Market cap. I don't see. I would have not show me that. Oh, here we go. 117 billion. So they're worth 117 billion dollars. Mm, it's a little bit. It's pricey. it's yeah. It's it's tough. That'd be a tough one. They're also over. I mean, they're you know they're kind of in this group of stocks that is just really overvalued. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh maybe I guess you could argue that's half the stock market right now. But when we talk about that, Salesforce really really richly valued. Um, it's just the, I don't know if it's just another bubble forming or if it's just the industry itself or what. It's it's kind of a scary time to be in tech stock, I th- for me, I, yeah. I feel. Opinion, first of all. I read, but, I read an interesting, and I, I'm going to butcher this. I wish I had written it down, but it was, a, it was a comment. I think it was about Salesforce stock and how basically they're, they're valued at what they are because the stock market understands that Salesforce is like – buying they're buying revenue to kind of crush competition or something like that they're hmm. they kind and, of they and, understand and, and buy into the strategy well yeah they're they're taking what would be profits or you know or just efficiencies and things and just lighting it all on fire 
to just to, in order to kill competition, in order to put on the best parties and and have the most sales and marketing and everything. Mm. And the stock market is letting them do that. They're they're treating them as if they're a massive profitable company. That's that's how they're valued right now. And I and I, I totally I wish I would have written that down. It was it's kind of an interesting. It was actually to help me understand a little bit why. It's like well yeah I mean it makes sense if yeah. if you if you buy into that story that's why you might pay a certain amount of money for a company stock even though like they are not profitable and they've been around for twenty years right because when it I mean when the when the music <coughs> stops what matters is how much money companies make their profit um, but the music's still playing so we're all happy and like pretending like you know uh, real things don't matter I mean is that that's never when the music stops and, the music stops when they when they kind of Get to a point where someone buys them. It yeah. seems these days, and it's in the middle of a bubble where the music's the loudest, and you yeah. know, everyone's jamming, and they got the glow sticks and popping the X or whatever they <laughs> whatever the kids call it nowadays. Popping the, the X. Molly. Is that something different? I don't even know. I'm just making stuff. I'm making words up now. You're making words up. You're an old man. Stop it. Well, John, I don't have <laughs> a lot. Of, so cool. I don't have a lot to talk about this week. Are you, yeah, you, you do. I want to hear about your trip to Colorado. I okay. mean, you had this great list, and you you're intentionally making me jealous. I can't believe you're out there having a good time, and you're. You're taking time to send me pictures of really massive, awesome whiskey menus. The only thing I can think of is you're just poking the bear here going, ha ha, look what no, I'm doing. And that, that was even just a, a, a side, that was a, an unintended, you know, serendipitous little thing, trip we took there, the, the whiskey place. Yeah, they had, what was it, eight, 1,800 bottles or something? I don't know, yeah. but it was... Well, what was it? One, one, one just had like a listing of barrel numbers. 180 barrels. Yeah, what was that? up with that? Um, How do you pick? I, I have no idea. You just you have to know. <laughs> you just have to know. No, I mean that's one of those places that ninety five percent of the people that walk in there really are not educated enough to to know what they're doing, and the bartenders just end up selling them whatever they want to sell them. You know, it's kind of it, that's kind of funny you say that because I kind of feel that way about places that have just massive uh, taps. Like they'll have like they'll claim their their claim to glory is a hundred taps. taps. Yep. And you're like, well, how do you make a choice? How do you make a decision? How do you is someone really going to know about all 100 beers on tap? I feel like information... That's kind of a lot to ask of a, of a, of a person. I feel like there's better information on beer these days than there's whiskey. Like, you could open up, for example, Untapped, or, or you could get on Beer Advocate and just look the beer up to see what style it is, what people are saying about it. You know, you can read descriptions of it. You can see the ratings, all that kind of stuff. It's, I don't think whiskey is there. And I think, I think with most things and with most people, too many options isn't a good thing. Like, you kind of want to limit options it gives someone something to focus on it gives them a, a sampling set that they can use to compare and make a decision too much data it's just yeah. too much data yeah and speaking of too much i think this beer has too much one of the there's a small percentage of what's called honey malt in this and it has nothing to do with honey other than the way it tastes but i think i've got i've already made myself a note too much need to back it off a little bit i think it's like three percent it should be like one or, or i could just take it out actually I don't know. Be, do you do you keep enough of your previous brews on hand to kind of compare after? Not really. And the problem is, even if I did keep some, they, I mean, uh, a beer that you made six months ago is not. It's if you made it fresh today, it's going to yeah. be completely different. So it's you'd have to really just kind of like make a mass amount and tweak the yeah. recipe all at once, and then do a tasting, I guess. But I mean, I'm, I think I brew enough that I can, you know, I can, I can, I can tell what. When I want to adjust, you can use the force, and it doesn't always come out. I make adjustment; it doesn't always come out the way I thought it would. But it, I'm, you know, I'm slowly learning how to how, you know, different ingredients affect things. 
So good trip, good times, good food. Yeah, so we went, up there, we went up there for the Weldworks Invitational you know, Beer Festival. And so this, uh, okay. for people who don't know, Weldworks is this up-and-coming little brewery in Greeley, Colorado, which is... Such a hipster. Like an hour northeast of... up-and-comers. I guess I, I went... I, <laughs> I, in fact, we, we went there a few years ago when they kind of had just opened, and no one knew about them. Um, yeah, they're a little, a little northeast of uh, Denver. And yeah, they've really, in the past couple of years, I mean, they've just been winning awards left and right and really have put themselves on the map. But they, um, they organized this big beer festival in Greeley. And it's one of these, I don't, I think there's some term for it, but it's like, it's basically an elite beer festival. So it's invitational, um, Weldworks invited, I don't remember how many breweries were there. I'd want to say like a hundred, maybe hundred breweries. Uh, there were hundreds of beers. Each, each brewery had anywhere from like three to Okay, the typical brewery had like I would say three to six beers that they brought wow. that they're pouring, and you know you can actually there's a link they can set it up and I guess Untapped supports events and they can and someone who's putting on an event can list which beers are in the event and so you're just I'm scrolling through this list on Untapped of these beers and you can't find one that's under four stars and it's a five star system, just hundreds of beers all four stars or, or greater. Wow. So I mean, it was, it was, it was amazing. It so really, now, now the only problem was which ones do you choose to drink? Well, and that was my problem too. It was, it was a three hour event. And after about the first hour, I was just like, I'm done. Were they doing full I'm pours, done. full pints? No, or? no, very okay. small pours, okay. like, like an ounce. Mainly because a lot of these beers are, you know, they, they go yeah, for, the, they go the for a hundred to yeah. $500 a bottle. And, oh. and a lot of them are high. Yeah, I was yeah. Gonna say, I'm sure they're high. They're just really limited. So, but yeah, they know people are going to be trying literally a lot. Of, I'm sure people, had, some people had hundreds of beers. And so they're doing, you know, very small pours. That was one drawback to the kind of dinner pairing that we had is there was just so much beer. By the time I got to the main event of the dinner course, which was that huge tomahawk steak, I was full. It wasn't just the pairing of the yeah, different appetizers, yeah. but just there were the, these were so big, that, that heavy was the, beers. That was Brooklyn? That was Brooklyn, yeah. yeah. And that, I, I've been to five or six of these events now. That one was the one where I felt like they really, there was just it was too actually much. too much alcohol yeah. like the total alcohol i mean i because i think i was like i'm gonna try to drink because they, they, they were small glasses but when you add them all up yeah and a couple of them were high abv i mean i really i high. got i got drunk at that event yeah. i mean i was trying to I, I was really trying to watch it because i was the one driving so i was like i i would drink like maybe a quarter sometimes half of it was one that i really liked but that i had to stop it because i was just and this week on on monday they had the it was the whistle pig whiskey event now that was really awesome but you would think that a person would get like more drunk at that than they would at the other thing but i mean i drank almost all of every whiskey i had and i was it was not i mean they were small enough and whatever but that i was i was fine that was last that was monday right monday mm -hmm. yeah i wish i could yeah, you should have gone to that i should have jay ended up going i heard yeah. yeah yeah my wife told me about it she's like oh jay's at this event i was like yeah no jeremy's there too well anyway, you didn't get invited i was like someone told me i had to save money <laughs> whatever <laughs> whatever um anyway uh, what was I going to say? Oh, Colorado. Yes. We also, um, we went up there a few days early. We we're staying in Fort Collins. So we, we did uh, whitewater river rafting. Did you? Yeah. Is that the first time? Yep. How'd it, how'd it go? It was fine. I mean, there were, did you guys stay upright? Uh, mainly, mainly. <laughs> we went up on a rock once and like had almost, almost flipped. Was it one of those where you're in a group in a, on a, like a big raft type tube thingy? Uh-huh. On a raft. Yeah. Yep. An inflatable raft. And I when, guess that's the words I was looking for. If people don't follow like the navigator's instructions, because the navigator is giving like forward one or you know left 
or what was it like left forward right back or whatever you know you've got to like you got to follow the instructions so which one were you i was on the right for the first half and then on the second half i switched with my the, the guy that was on the on the left mm-hmm. so i was in on the left but then about three minutes in he asked us to switch back because there was a girl on the right of this just very small girl who couldn't didn't have much power and mm-hmm. i guess i was you know i was i was bringing the power so he needed me to he needed me to balance that out but yeah if you if you uh, if you have a good navigator and if they're given the right instructions and if people are able to and willing to and to follow the instructions correctly and paddle the way they're supposed to then you can stay upright <laughs> we had a couple of dicey moments though mm. I, I would love to do that i like the idea of it but i'm not the strongest swimmer you know i think i think well, the the r- average depth of the water was three and a half feet. So, oh, okay. Now the problem is it's full <laughs> of pretty giant boulders. So if you fall out, you're hitting rocks hard. That's true. And they do say you can drown in what a tablespoon of water. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying you would find a way to do that? I would find a way. <laughs> I'd be the one to hit my head, and you know, there'd, yeah. there'd be the end of me. But and of course, they're like, so we did that. We we flew out Thursday morning. Thursday afternoon, we we're whitewater river rafting, and then Friday, a bunch of people went out um, hiking. It was great hiking up there, and I stayed back to work because I had a product that was like freaking out, and it ended. And I was so I, I stayed in the coffee shop and worked all day. It ended up being a complete waste of time, not because of me, just because like I just could, other dependencies that are not mine were not satisfied, mm. and That's there's nice. nothing I could do. So you missed out on hiking because things and just it's just, ready. it's the same thing on this project. Same thing. It's like, it's just, just a broken record. It's like, I, this is, I can only do so much. There's yeah. only so many things I'm in control of. And when are you going to be done? Well, I, I, <laughs> I've been telling you for three months. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's strange because I've been in situations like that before. And even though there's so much out of my control, I feel like I should at least address the stuff that is in my control. But it, as I get into that stuff, I realize, well, because I don't have the stuff that's out of my control, I can't really fully build out what is in my control. So I'm kind of stuck. I'm in a rock and a hard yeah. place. I need this to get this done. And what's really frustrating is when I communicate the things that I'm dependent on, and mm-hmm. I repeatedly communicate them, and the, and the people who need to listen aren't listening. Yeah. And these same people are the ones that come back to you and say, oh, when are you going to be done? Uh, we, need to get, we need to go live or whatever. It's like, dude, just go read Slack if you really want to know, if you really want to help. <laughs> don't come to me, you don't come to me when it's due and say, how, well, how can I help you? Well, the way you could have been helping me is to actually pay attention to what I've been saying. Yeah. I'm ranting, aren't I? I'm in a, I'm in a rantful mood right now. I know. Adobe put me in a foul mood. <laughs> <laughs> I'm even well rested right now, which is about the only thing I have going for me. You that, know, surprisingly, beer. <laughs> sur- we, we started this show differently this time. Did you notice? No. You did not ask me why I'm so tired and why I'm... Because you're, 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 you look like you're a little better. I, right I am. I am, yeah. I am a little bit. I'm much better. I've gotten some rest and my workload is, it's still high, but it's balanced out. I'm I'm actually working on stuff that has been behind and getting that tackled off. So that's good times. Yeah. I'm in a little bit. In fact, I'm going to use that to segue into my community update because uh, the one thing that was stressing me out so much was this community. And today uh, emails are going out to pilot users. So we're going live. We we got it there. Is is this this an aviation community? They're pilot users. Pilot users, yes. No, they're doctors. <laughs> wow, that, this, are, this is a multi-skilled uh, group. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's funny. There, there are a few times where the client was really concerned about whether or not the user would understand this concept or understand how to navigate and how to do this and how to do that. And um, 
<laughs> there are points in time where we're like, they're doctors. They should understand this stuff. They, they should know how to use a computer, but no, I don't know. I guess you can't make that assumption. No, you can't. Although, a PhD you know, does, not, does not equate to knowing computers. No, not at all. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm actually very sensitive to this idea of really understanding users or although I, man, it, yeah. this, this notion that you're going to be able to like figure out the exact, what do they call them? Like, there's like a, like a, not a prototype, but I don't know, but the exact like type of user you're going to have and, and figuring out how they think and what their capabilities are and all that. And the reality oh, is, companies spend the, millions on the reality stuff. is, I mean, like doctors, for example, I mean, cause I see this all the time, you know, we got a, there's a project and they, you know, we end up hiring some supposed expert company to like interview all these users, understand them and everything mm-hmm. as if they're like some homogeneous group of people. I mean, just take doctors, for example, you're going to have some that hardly know how to, they don't know how to push the start button. And then you're going to have some who did coding in college and stuff. You can't, <laughs> and you can't cater to either of those ends of the spectrum. Yeah. You know, you have to just. It's good to understand your users, obviously. I mean, that kind of goes without saying. But, but really, just when it comes down to it, I mean, almost all the projects I've worked on, it really just boils down to just just make good software, make reasonably intuitive, reasonably you know pleasing software to use. Yeah. You're never going to make software that the even the bottom of the barrel users can use it and figure it out. Don't even try because if you do, you're going to ruin it for everyone else. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You know, and. And don't, you know, provide a, you know, a command terminal interface because, yeah, you'll make those, that few percentage that are, that were coders in college, you'll make them happy or maybe, but, or they're super power users, but you know, everyone else is not gonna be able to, you can't cater to either of those. I don't know. Some, some people get back in the terminal days. That's pretty much what you had. I know. No, I'm, I'm, well, even SAP was, is still, I think still built around that. They have this one little input section where you can type in codes and you can type in those codes pretty fast, and that'll get you to where you need to the, go the in the system. The problem is saying SAP. The, the SAP is, there is no SAP. It's a thousand <laughs> different software products, yeah, some true. of which that are 30 years old that are still in production. Um, That's know, true. And they've had, they've gone through so many different like generations where they've like, oh, it's, we're going to, you know, NetWeaver and the Java stack and just all, you know, and, you know, somebody, some, every once in a while one of them succeeds, a lot of them fail. Mm-hmm. But to say like, but and because it's on premise too, right? It's not Salesforce where everyone's on the same version. Which again, pros and cons. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. You'll see all kinds of all kinds of crazy crap in production. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm happy this community is getting up and running. I mean, there's still more work to do in the future, but it's good to get it to this point. It's good to have solved all the problems that I was having. I mean, they're all problems we talked about. I mean, it was just every step of the. Did the, you did you talk about the whole file challenge? And do you want to talk about that? I can't talk and how about how you it. solved it. I mean, I, I thought we talked about it. I, I solved it by creating a duplicate of the file. So, so the, we'll recap the problem real quick because I'm not. So the problem is that with file sharing and actually with a lot of data. Um, so it's a partner community just to kind of set the context. But when it comes to files and certain objects and their, their information, there's a firewall that says it can exist on the, on the community side, but it's owned by that community user. And it can exist on the internal user side, but it's owned by the internal users and they don't cross. It's like uh, you can't cross the streams. Schrodinger's file. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you can't mix and match the two in, in terms of a security context. So, and when it came to files, they had files that they wanted to secure internally, meaning they only wanted certain people internally to be able to see these files. So that means I had to lock down the file. 
but I couldn't share it out to an external user. Yeah. So in order to break the chain, I had to basically create a duplicate of the file for that user. And we had to, we had to accept some limitations. Like the file could only be so big because essentially I'm duplicating it in memory mm. and inserting it. So I had to be careful of my heap size. Even though Salesforce says you can have like, what, a gig file or two gig file, I had to limit them to far less, but essentially dancing around the heap size issue. Because there's no like copy, there's no like copy this file operation. No, there's I like- thought there was because there's this, there's this concept in Salesforce called a content body record. I don't know what that is, but there's an object called content body. And there's a on, sounds hot on the content version. There's a field called content body ID, and I thought, awesome. Maybe maybe this is a way for me to you create. Could share a, the, you could share the body. Well, no, between the two, that'd well, be awesome. Maybe. I mean, I like to share bodies, but <laughs> <laughs> but what I thought was, okay, maybe I can tell, I can create a content version and tell it use this body, and it'll just I won't have to worry about heap size because I'm not trying to load up the data in memory and copy it and save it. Um, but it turns out you can't. And I look, check the documentation. It says, this is a Salesforce use only field. I'm like, what? Well, why is it in why, the public API? Why is it in the, why is, why can I see it then? It was just one of those weird fields that I have no idea what it does. Maybe someday in the future, they'll expose it and tell us what it's about. But I have no idea what that is or what it was for. If you try to create a record that doesn't have a ver- content version or a content body, even the error message says, you cannot create this unless you specify the content version or the content body ID. So it's weird. Mm, yeah. Like they're preparing for you to be able to use this field, but right now they're saying, don't use it. It's ours. So what are you having to do to keep these files in sync? <laughs> now, let me ask you this. Are, yeah. So you, okay. So you have content, mm-hmm. you have a content document and you have content version. Mm-hmm. Content version changes every time someone uploads, if I can upload like a new copy of this file or right. something, right? A new version of it, I guess. Yeah. And so content versions themselves are probably immutable. You can't change the... the oh, you can. That's what makes it crazy. Wait a minute. You so you can actually modify the, like the, the, the content of a content, content version? Well, content version supports updating. It's weird because... Con- can you update the actual content? It's, so you're saying the, yeah. the content of a content version is mutable? Mm-hmm. But the version stays the same. It's the same version record. As far as I know, yes. See, I, I, would, I would bet money that's not the case. Wow. Should we bet? maybe i don't know maybe if you change the content version it creates a new version but i know the only way to extend content or add fields to or attributes to a to a content version which i did because we had to doc type these things way to say this is a certain type of doc type able to make decisions on you can't you can't go to the there's no in the object manager you can't say oh here's a content document add this field to that content document you have to add it to the content version yeah which is weird because the ver- I, I think we should be completely abstracted from content version from a from a Salesforce term. I think we should only be using content document. And from, Salesforce should yeah. handle content version. I think for most use cases, yes, you just care about the document and the current content of it. Yeah. I really for ninety nine point nine percent of the time, I don't care about old versions of the content. Yeah. So I don't I don't know why this this thing exists where we have to if we want to add a field to content to be able to kind of do some stuff or make some decisions on it or just capture information on it. We have to add that to the content version because that's the only thing that's exposed to us. Yet when we're interacting and trying to update and delete, we're supposed to be doing it at the content document level because if you do it at the content version, you might be doing it to an older version. Yeah. And not the right, most right. current version. And, and the old, ver- the old versions <laughs> stick around, right? You can... Yeah, they stay. Okay. Yeah, they're there. I mean, that's kind of useful, I guess. I don't know how that factors into your storage if it, if it chunks off or archives or what i have not explored that side of things but i have no idea yeah 
uh, even what I'm doing is kind of risky. And I've, I mean, the client understands this. This was one of the solutions I offered as a way to solve for it. But there's a lot of limitations, meaning I'm basically for every record that you share with the portal, I'm duplicating your file storage. Um, the files can only be a certain size because I have to be able to load it in memory, copy it, which means have it in memory twice and then save it. Um, I'm also having to do tricks in terms of I, I basically have to execute some kind of batch job. I basically collect all the records that I need to duplicate, send it to a batch job and do a batch job size of one just to make sure I maximize how much memory I have available to me. Um, so there's a lot of just engineering and, you know, gotchas to think about when I did that. It was it was not it sounds easy. I'll just create a copy of this file every, you know, for the portal user. But it's not yeah. when you actually build it out. Hmm. Um, and it was kind of tough because the client didn't fully understand that. Like one of the, our main contact did because he was technical, but the rest of the business who were not technical mm-hmm. <laughs> did not. And they were kind of fighting on like the time it took for me to do this or, you know, what I needed them to be able to do for, in order for this feature to exist and all this kind of stuff. They, there was kind of a lot of kind of back and forth because actually we had a conversation about this uh, with the project manager. You know her. Yep. <laughs> you know her very well. Yes. Um, and some things kind of in that conversation, we kind of realized that the reason they've been kind of so we need things now, we want to see things now is because previous to, to, to this, they hadn't done any real customizations to their system. They were used to kind of going into production, making changes and doing things and seeing instant results. And so when it came to this whole develop software, do things in a sandbox, deploy it to production, this was all foreign to them and they didn't understand it. It was taking longer there's all this bureaucracy we were introducing and it was, it was kind of a battle to get them to understand. And we, I don't think we fully have their understanding of it, but yeah, that's and, where we're at. And that's, that's, uh, that's, that can be difficult because really you, you need to, that uh, you're asking the client to basically step up a couple of levels on the maturity model. And it actually requires good, just good consulting, I guess is the right mm-hmm. word. Um, to educate, to set expectations for that, to explain, like, you know, we're, we're now basically building software, custom software, and to do that right, you know, you need to have, there just needs to be certain things in place, certain amount of, like, rigor and, yeah. I don't say process, because, although there is a, there's always a process, but I feel like nowadays, the usually the best processes are always just extremely lightweight, so, yeah, but it's more like just, yeah, I mean, the right process, the right just the, you know, the right, um, I didn't want to say formality because that's not the right word either. Although, yeah. well, I guess, yeah. I mean, but it, it's just governance. I mean, it, we, we've got, is, we, we're now, yeah. now we're in a system where we're exposing internal it's data to external yeah. users. And we got to be a little more careful about that, especially when we're talking, uh, exposing numbers. We're, we're exposing data. Exactly. We're, right. we're exposing very sensitive data about a particular doctor's practice yeah and if you're if your admin is going into production and making fields cards and, and things like that then you're you're if not now then at some point you're going to be breaking yeah. your live software you're going to screw up yeah you're going to expose something you don't want to or you're going to break I mean, but the, the so, least of the worst so, is they break something and nothing works the the worst case is they've now exposed someone's sensitive information to someone else to a third party you know what makes this the really makes us the hardest to, to be a good consultant and do that to educate and help customers climb that maturity model you know what makes it so difficult to do that salesforce because they they market their messaging as, yeah. their education their marketing Everything about yeah. the way they communicate to their customers about their products. That's I don't say point. everything because 
if you listen to like the Wade Wagner's of the world, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's and some of the other developer group. I mean, they're 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 talking about this somewhat, you know, and they're creating some of these tools and things, but. I mean, no. yeah, I mean, this isn't a new system for the client. I mean, the client has had Salesforce for a number of years and they've been using it and they've drank all the Kool-Aid where Salesforce said, go out and build it. You're empowered. Just do it. You need a field, create it. You need to, you need to do something, yeah. put it on the you screen. Can, you can build the next, my favorite one, you can build the next Salesforce on yeah. Salesforce. And, <laughs> sure that would and then we come well. along and go, okay, we need a sandbox and you need to stop doing stuff in production. In fact, um, I was told that one of the first questions after we, after we got approval to go live with this was, can I start doing stuff in production again? Because they didn't like the fact that they had to do it in, in both yeah. places. And that's just when we got it. You just had to educate. Yeah. You know, we can't, you can't make changes to running software in production. I mean, that's all need to be funneled through a process where we can, we can test it. We can do regression. We can, but again, you will, it's not a matter of if it's just a matter of when you're going to break stuff yeah. and your community users may be the first to, to discover what you've broken. Yeah, or your, you know, or your internal users, whoever. Well, we're doing our best to consult and make sure that we yeah. they understand that they now are exposing data publicly, and we need we need a quite a quite a bit more governance. We need full testing and full regression testing. You know, I've said on a number of calls that I'm not perfect. I mean, they would they would want me to develop something and want to push it to production, and I'm like, no one's tested this. I'm, it's just me. I'm just I'm the one developer. Yeah, I, right. I can't be expected to test and know every scenario and and sign off on it and say, yep, it's good. And, you know, right. I just, how do I even know I understood your requirements correctly? Yeah. Like only, you know, that only client knows whether I understood the requirements correctly and I built what they thought they were asking me to be built. Well, only that I built it. So I'm, I know all the, I do things the way I built it. You're going to test the happy path. You yes. know how it's supposed to work. So that's how yes. you test it. I'm right? not going to do the crazy yeah. stuff, the crazy imaginative stuff the users are going to do that. Yeah. Th that's why we need testing. Yep. Well, I saw, um, there's a couple things in the news. So Amazon, Microsoft, and Salesforce all made a pretty big investment in the same company. It's not that big. No, it's, what was it, $27 million? Well, they, they, did a, what, they did a full funding round of like $53 million. This was on my list too. That's what I know. Yeah, it was, it was, so it was a Series C, which I guess yeah. is the third series. <laughs> I, don't know why they got, well, I don't know why they don't use numbers. Why is it not Series 3? Uh, Why don't or just it's you know don't we also got like that, that the third round A B C I know it's easy as one two three anyway uh, yeah it, it said twenty seven million but it, what was interesting about it was that it was Amazon Microsoft and Salesforce I mean you don't yeah. you don't often see them in the same sandbox that's true but anyway I, I looked up this company Tact AI <laughs> and so I don't know what you call them I don't know if they're called Tact or if they're called Tact AI or Tacti or Tact AI how would you say that. Tech.ai. Who owns the AI domain? Who's that supposed to be? Let's see. What country starts with A? I don't know. Let's see, AI. I think it's funny that, that we, we've kind of taken what was supposed to be like regional specific domains or, um, yeah, domains. Actually, I think um, that's a good question. Is AI, is, oh, here we go. Good old Wikipedia. Oh, Anguilla. 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 Anguilla? I'm not actually sure how you would pronounce yeah. that. That's funny. Yeah, you know, using what was what was the shortener URL shortener that got so popular for a while there, and it was um, oh. Bitly, right? And yeah, it's like, oh, Libya. Oh, what could possibly go wrong? Pick your domain <laughs> controlled by Libya. Yeah. Well, we know what's happened to Libya. Like, it's basically it's a dumpster fire now, and it has been for what five years, seven years. Yeah. 
It's just funny how this this world got their, created. Their leader got drugged through the street. Oh, well, that's not funny. But <laughs> no, it's not. I'm just saying. But I just that's meant, where I, you chose I, to. I, I just meant your... it's funny that that we're using these things like dot AI. Like, oh, that's that's an AI URL. Yeah. But no, well, like, and dot me was some country too. Yeah. it's not. It's not just. But they, did, they have started creating like these cute vanity domains. Like they have. Dot, I've noticed that. I think that was dot just, show. That's that's by these I, companies that are just trying to make money now. By the way, you need. Do we now, good, now do all we, companies have to buy every version of this? Do we have good days or dot show? No. Well, you, should, you need to go register that before we um, publish this. <laughs> anyway, uh, so they have uh, ta- this tact AI. They have a video about because I was like, well, it's right on their website because I was like, well, what do these people even do? And apparently it's like, it's a new way to sell. A new way to of sell. Of course, you know, t- we have never ending new ways to sell. Gotta make that money. But anyway, I'm just, I want to play a little bit of this and I just... Got to pay for the Jeremy Ross vacations off to Colorado drinking beer. Yep. Somebody's got to sell it. But I, I want to get, I want your opinion on this. All right. In case you hear that background noise, he's in the, he's in the I car. I some information regarding your upcoming meeting, Cisco proposal review. Would you like to view? One, account summary. Two, open opportunities. Three, tasks. Four, open tickets. Two. This is already tedious. Yeah, it's yeah. She's read. She has to read you a menu, and then you have to. You can't say. Can you what, interrupt her? And you can't just say, um, "Hey, open opportunities." Mm-hmm. You have to. You have to give a number. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, let's continue. The Cisco pilot contract deal is currently in negotiation stage. The deal is valued at one million. By the way, so he. Hang on. He picked. Oh, sorry. I found some information Actually, regarding re- your upcoming tasks. Rewound it too much. He picked two, which was open opportunities. And she just picks, I don't want to say random, because I'm sure they'd say it was artificial intelligence. She picked the most important one to tell them about. Mm. I mean, a salesperson could have, what, a couple hundred op- open opportunities or a dozen, or depending on how big their deals are, but just, oh, I'm going to take I hope one. they're alone in the car while this thing's rattling off all the open companies' tickets. sensitive Two. data. And is expected to close there we go. Here's the opportunity. $1,260,000 and is expected to close on the 31st of July, 2018, with a probability of 75%. Ooh, cash so, money. So she... This is how smart this AI is. She basically just reads you the required fields of an opportunity. The stage, the amount, who the account is, and the probability. That's good. And, that's the, good and the close stuff. date. Oh, that's, that's, Don't be so cynical, aren't you, Jeremy. That's John, good John, stuff. Aren't you amazed by that AI? I am, but yeah. Hello, I'm going to read you required fields from whatever <laughs> object you just told me to read. But he's doing this while driving, isn't he? That, yeah, he's driving. I can hear the Which, road Which, by noise. the way, that is some major distracted driving. No. You don't have to. You don't have to be um, looking at your phone. Not to be everyone distracted. lives in the city. Some, is, some people are out in rural America and they're, they're driving mentally, around and mentally distracted driving. You're you're doing big deals through your silly phone, which you're having to listen extra hard to because you have to remember which number from the menu item she read. <laughs> your Cisco. This is the post meeting wrap up. Proposal review meeting just ended. Can I log some? Me- she told you the meeting that ended that you were just in. That's a that's a plausible I'm scenario. Sure, I'm pretty sure you Sales already re- know what meeting you were just in. It's a plausible scenario because what happens is you have the meeting in the morning. The sales rep gets in the car and drives to 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 get lunch. I'm not following you. Meeting notes for you. Yes, please. Can you give me a summary of the discussion? The customer really liked our proposal and promised to introduce us to procurement as the next step. Oh my gosh, John! This thing can dictate voice. I I can see it on the screen. That's awesome. That's amazing. That's good. 
What if they embedded Dragon naturally speaking into it or something? Either way, it's it's one way to get input. I heard you say the customer really liked our proposal and promised to introduce us to procurement as the next step. Of course, how many takes do you think they had to do on this so that it understood everything correctly? I mean, if it, if it works in perfect world, that's awesome. If it takes a few <laughs> takes, then I, that's where the frustration comes in with AI. Like even like when you're typing on your phone and you have to try to fix a word, trying to highlight and oh get it to gosh. pick the right yeah. letter or the right word. That's where the frustration is. Yeah. And I, I'll try once on these things. And if it doesn't get it right, I just cancel and I just usually forget. I think, okay, if, when I get to where I'm going, I'll, if I remember, I'll text this person when I was trying yeah. to text them via voice. Even like on my Apple TV, when I'm trying to search using the voice dictation, um, there are things it just doesn't recognize correctly. And I have to spell it out. I have to like spell the word for it because yep. it's not, it's not doing well, it. Well, right. how would you do this? Yesterday, I'm trying to text Jay and I said, text Jay, blah, blah, blah. Is it just do J? Every single time she, Letter she'd, she'd reply, she'd say, text JP, blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, cancel. And I would say, text <laughs> J, blah, blah, blah. You'd have to say, text J-A-Y. Say, she'd say, here's your text to JP. <laughs> <laughs> and I know, who, I know who that was. I, I think I have a JP. But I, actually, I was trying to think of who do I have that would be JP. And it's someone I know I haven't talked to in probably 15 years. Like, that's going to be awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if it's someone you only left on your phone just to avoid their calls. <laughs> Which reminds me, you scroll through your contacts and look at how many contacts you just need to delete. No. Are you good at this? I don't want to delete them. Oh. Because I need, I, need, I need to know who it is if I want to avoid their call. No, these are people who will, who will never call. They're yeah. from such a previous life. Uh, I don't want to talk to them. I understand that. Leave them in there. Yeah. Is this right? Yes. I logged the notes for you. Do you want me to remind you to follow up with Cisco? What's the close date on the Cisco opportunity? The close date is the 31st. The close date. She doesn't close even date. know. She literally doesn't even know the word she was saying. She didn't know which word because close and close are two different words, even though they're spelled the same. Okay. She didn't know which word. I'm going to rewind know. this. Listen to this. It's, it's a symptom of our this. language. She... The close date is the 31st. 30... close date. That's... What can I say? The English language sucks. <laughs> We have so many overloaded words but that my, mean but, but so, my, something but my four, different my in four context. Year old, my four-year-old knows the difference between close and close. But this amazing AI system, which is on its series C, a funding of $37 million or $50 million, whatever it was. I don't know. First as long July as they didn't 20th. punt and start, and it's actually Alexa in the background. It could be. I mean, Alexa's better than this. Well, I don't know. The name is Cisco Pilot Contract. Do you want me to remind you to follow up with Cisco? Yes, please. When do you want to follow up? Tomorrow. Done. I created a task to follow up with Cisco on June. And the thing is, this is this is a this is a recipe. This is a this is a pre-baked set of steps when yeah. you when you finish a meeting. I mean, it's just this is what it is. It's a bit I'm tedious. I mean, it's like it goes like, on for a little bit longer. It actually gets worse, but I, I don't want to bore everyone with it's, it. It's it's a bit tedious. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to try to knock on it. I mean, I think I think it's good. it's just not AI. I'm sorry, none of this crap is AI. I know. Even if you host your website in the, in the, where was it? Watson? No, or? the Angeli, Angela. Oh, Even if Angela. you host your website in Angela, it doesn't mean it's AI. <laughs> <laughs> it just means you're an Angela. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's a bit, it's a bit tedious. I saw, I didn't listen to the, um, to this. But I mean, I, I mean, I'm not done with it. I, I okay. think, I think. Johnson, I, I think it's good to explore these technologies. I mean, I, it, 
getting getting sales reps to enter information or to log information or to add a task or close out a task or event and talk about what happened in that event is the hard part. That's why companies have for years before all this technology tried is trying to solve this problem have essentially given sales reps high high volume sales reps their own assistant, a physical person that does all this stuff for them. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's a problem that's existed since sales has existed. Yeah. All salespeople don't want to use, they don't want to use any of these systems. Well, their, their time is better spent networking and talking to people, not sitting in front of a computer doing data entry. Yeah, but there, he, he was in the car, John. He didn't have to look, even look at his phone. That's, that's found time. I'm just saying. I know. I, 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 after every meeting, isn't a sales rep usually with the client taking them to the, a bar for happy hour or mm, to lunch steaks for to steaks, steaks dinner. <laughs> so, I mean, you can't, you can't do it then. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Just depends. Just depends. Um, what else? On you that? See, you, oh, no, no, just in general. <laughs> um, did you see this thing? Someone posted it in the, in the Slack, but it was about how, I guess some Salesforce employees created a, a um, what do you call it? That's not a survey. A uh, petition. A petition. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I, I, I learned about this topic not because of Salesforce, but because of Microsoft and the all, the all employee. I'm assuming you're talking about this. I mean, should I read what, what this is? Sure. Okay, let me uh, find the article. Okay, I don't want the Market Watch version. The Market Watch is really low quality, if anyone hasn't noticed that. Their tech than, crunch isn't any they're better. They're worse than Bloomberg. If you notice the tech crunch, whenever you get to the end of the article and you kind of wait or do something, you scroll too far. It jumps you to like a new yes. set of articles. And the URL changes or I know yes. today. I, you lose your article. I'm like, that is wrong, TechCrunch. Like, you're breaking the web. How dare you? Not only that, they're just they're just like saying, Okay, we gave you enough. Now you're on to, now you're on our time and you're you're you get and, to see what we want you to and see. And what happened to accessibility? I'm I'm fully abled. Well, I don't know. Some people might argue with that. But and and it confuses <laughs> me. I mean, imagine with someone who can't see and that the website's just like jumping around, like yeah. switching them to a new URL without uh, just, there's a mess. Yeah. It's a mess. It, it's bad. Is it, I think it's, what, why do they do that? Just to keep you engaged. Like yes. Keep, yeah. It, they, because uh, when they switch the page, new ads show up and they get, they get a new imprint. That's true. It's, it's new inventory, actually. Yeah. Every new URL is new inventory. Yeah. So. Okay. So the, the title of this was sales. So Salesforce staff ask CEO to revisit ties with border agency. Yep, that's what I thought you were talking about. So more than 650 employees, which by the way is like a percent. It's like a zero, zero, zero. No, nah, it's like a percent, percent or something. I don't know. No. It's well, a, they have what, 20, 30,000 employees? I mean, that's, that's. It's a zero, zero percent. <laughs> no, it's like a one, one or two. Mm. I mean, if they, if they have 30,000 employees, uh, 300 would be 1%. Okay. So 650 would be 2%. Okay. All right, uh, but yeah, they, so 650 employees and have signed the petition since it began circulating last week. Uh, the staff had scheduled a meeting on Monday afternoon local time with Tony Profit. Oh, this was Salesforce's the Mike, chief this of quality. This was the Salesforce, Salesforce side of things. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, and I guess they responded, I don't, this is just some generic, probably from the PR office. One of the greatest things about being part of the Salesforce family is that we, have, that we proudly foster an open exchange of ideas and dialogue as long as they are right in line with our way of thinking. We're proud of our employees for being passionate and vocal, and we'll continue the conversation on this and other important matters. Ed. I think market, market, market. So TechCrunch was saying employees are petitioning for this. Market Watch, I think their headline was a little misleading, saying Salesforce is going to do something about this. So I'm not sure what they're 
position or stance is on well, this. Well, the part that I didn't get to is this is all about, you know, separation of families at the southern border of the United yeah, States. Yeah, just take, take a few steps back. I, I had heard about this issue. Well, not this issue, but I had first heard about employees petitioning their company about this with Microsoft because it happened with Microsoft first. Okay. Um, so Microsoft's employees started this. And um, Satya came out with a statement saying, look, as far as we know, they're not using our technology for this. We do. They do use our technology, but they're not using it for this specifically. And so then then I well, heard about the using? Microsoft thing. Are they good? Well, then I heard about the Microsoft thing and Microsoft said, or I'm sorry, Salesforce said basically the same thing. Yeah, yeah we have contracts with them, but as far as we know, they're not using it to s- split families. Well, and this also goes to show you that I mean, not only that, all of this happened. I'm sorry, I keep interrupting, but not only that, this all happened after Trump already signed the 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 executive order to stop doing this yeah and actually i and you you're more than welcome to be able to say whatever you want but i was specifically going to avoid any kind of yeah. discussion about the issue itself yeah. or the facts or lack of facts or yeah. fake facts or alternative facts about this because no one no one's going to agree on those i agree um, so i'm avoiding that completely I, I um the thing that's fascinating to me is that is these ceos that you know they go out there and take all these you know t- social stands call it what you want but when it comes down to it, it's like, eh, we're trying to sell to the government here, you know? Yeah. I mean, we've got to hit our, our run rate, our growth rate. You know, we've, I mean, Salesforce is on the hook for growing into their current market cap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they, and the government is a big, actually, the government is a, a bigger than ever part of that plan. That was one of the big reasons to bring on um, Keith Block, wasn't it? And also, who was that? Who was that I mean, person? That was that, when Keith Block came on, and that after his first what year, a few months. I mean, one of the bigger things they talked about was his growth in the government sector. Yeah, and you remember also Salesforce hired that was she like a Wall Street Journal or like a writer that long time who was like a friend of the Trumps or something, and they they hired her basically yeah. to just so they'd have you know they need a mutual friend. But this is what happens when you play politics with your I business. Know, I know it is actually it gets it gets at nasty. some point it's it's the the wires are going to get crossed or the yes, streams are going to get crossed. You have crossed your streams. You have. Right. I, I mean, Benioff was able to go to Indiana and say we're going to pull everything out because he had all the power. But the go- technically in this situation, the government and the amount of money they spend and bring to a company's coffers is big. They have the power. So you just gave a talk on low coupling and how to keep. <laughs> How to keep your, you know, how, how to understand your coupling, keep it low so that you're not affected by things that you shouldn't, that you don't necessarily need to be affected by. That Whereas sounds Benioff, like a Benioff, talk than Benioff has gone out there and he's coupled his business yeah. to all kinds of things that arguably d- are not directly important or, or, you know, shouldn't, you don't, you don't want to be directly affected by these things. Right. Or when the tides change or when the wind changes or whatever, you know, it's like. And, and he and, created this mantra that, you know, I'm doing this because of my employees. I'm doing this for my employees. And now the employees are saying, well, we don't like this ice thing going on. Do something about yeah, it. And he's having to go, uh, but we're. Yeah, but he set that expectation that yeah, that's what he's going to yeah. do. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, and I don't, I, I, you know, part of me, I, I understand that thing of like, you know, well, um, we've got, you know, 30,000 or it doesn't matter how many people you've got three, you know, three people or 30,000 people. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's good to, I think, support. You know, policies and laws and things that you feel are good for your employees and your customers and, and all your stakeholders, John. It's not about shareholders. It's about stakeholders. You said stakeholders, right? Yeah. Okay. Just want to clarify. I heard something else. <laughs> uh, let's see. Hang on one yeah, I, I, just, I, I just see it as a, as a good example of, oh, yeah. of... The reason my company is successful is because I'm focused on my stakeholders not my shareholders. Well, well there you go. <laughs> I, 
I mean, I've always thought it was a dangerous game. Not that I disagree with Benioff or disagreed with you know his ability to do this. I just always felt it was a dangerous game to play because right. at some point in time, something's going to happen that where you either the brunt of your employees in your politics or your ability to be a CEO conflicts. And what do you do in that situation? Yeah, and I even I mean, I'm I'm you know I think I talked about this before. I'm I'm kind of libertarian-ish, <laughs> I would say. And so I agree with Benioff. I agree with a lot of Benioff's politics. Not all of them, but a lot of them. But even the ones I agree with him on, I feel like he's gone out and taken unnecessary. Um, he's really gotten into things that really it didn't it doesn't did not help any of his stakeholders. It was just going out there and getting your name in the news article along with whatever is happening. And that that's the kind of stuff I'm just like, you know, that's not helping you, and it's only putting you it's only giving it's only giving you some ex, it's putting you at expo. It's risking your company a little bit yeah I just, but, but he's gotten some uh, mileage on on a lot of that stuff so it's kind of oh a ton it's kind of hard it's, it's like the, the media has kind of given him this this blank check to just go out and do it because it's going to give you it's going to give you an audience yeah i just think it, it you know it, it, that you got to be careful with that stuff it can backfire yeah and i think that's always kind of ever since i got into the corporate world it's always been you know you don't talk about politics you don't talk about religion you don't talk about this stuff i mean it, it you keep things professional but yet this new world we're in today there isn't that it's it's the politics are on your shoulder your your religion is on your shoulder and you either agree or disagree and if there's enough of of them you're out you're done goodbye and what's what's the best thing for salesforce's stakeholders for their employees for their shareholders is it is it that if you took the a random person off the street in columbus ohio and asked them what salesforce is or who mark benioff is do you want them to say oh yeah aren't they that crm they're online what you know crm company right or do you want them to say oh aren't they the ones that um protested the you know the same-sex bathrooms or whatever you know what or whatever it was you know what, what do you what that, do you want what's most important to be known for what's your what about that skit we or because you could pretend that, like you could pretend like you're not a for-profit company that's public that there are massive expectations on but when it boils down to it if you're not getting that stuff right none of the other stuff matter i mean the the any glamour or attention you got because of your social standing that that stuff will melt away faster than the wicked witch of the west oh yeah you know yeah oh, we've seen it i mean it doesn't matter whether you're on which side of the fence if you do something yeah, no, I, they, it, they it, will eat you it, alive it, what the politics are doesn't matter yeah. it doesn't matter if you're left or right or whatever it's just i don't know there's there's some help step out of line and, and there's some help yeah. yes you need there's some cases where you need to go to bat for your employees and and he's done that i think in a lot of times in a lot of cases in good ways but uh, you know and it's just it's it's a tricky balance i would say it's a tricky balance for us to talk. <laughs> I know. This beer is only, I, I doubt it, it's probably a little under 7%. I'll, I'll finish off what yep. you have, since you only brought one today. Yep. And I feel like I need it. You deserve it, John. There you go, I deserve it. Oh, all right. Well, I'm good enough. Um, how does it go? I'm smart enough. I'm handsome enough. How, how, how did you do it? And doggone it, people like me. And doggone it, people <laughs> like me. <laughs> Just edit him in in place of me. Yeah, okay. I'll do that. <laughs> right, right. In three, two, one. Okay, got it. Um, <laughs> like we have some editor. <laughs> That's you. The only, the only thing, the other thing I had was, um, this was cool. And I think we've talked about this before, but there's a, yeah, I think we have, it, it just popped up again, but um, friend of the show, uh, Charlie Jonas, mm -hmm. somebody posted this in the Slack 
I think this was from Latin, was it earlier this year? But it was about it was basically how to build modern SPAs on Salesforce. Did you see that? No. Yeah, it was, it was uh, let's see, let me pull this up. This was a link out or something? Because he built, do you remember that now he built this, um, like a framework in a way. It, it's basically just a collection of tools, I think. And, and uh, some of which he's actually built, some of which are just existing open source things. Mm-hmm. He calls it like a BASS, a BASS stack, B-A-S-S. Oh, yeah, the badass Salesforce stack starter. It's <laughs> a but, good name. Yeah, but oh, why don't I keep clicking on the wrong link? Hang on. Um, on my Instapaper version of it so I can see my highlights. Instapaper. Um, for that. Yeah, so he says, you know, I've, I've learned that Salesforce development doesn't have to be a dreadful experience, and I'd like to share how. <laughs> You've, and because part of what it, he's, it, it, he shows you how by not using Salesforce technologies, but <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of by, I, I think, being judicious about which ones you use and how you use them. But he's kind of doing what I now he's his stack is different than mine, but he's got the same philosophy of like, I actually try to avoid as much visible force and obviously lightning and, and certainly apex and things as I can, but I'm still doing Salesforce development. Um, and, and so he says, you know, you, you know, he basically, he's basically saying, you know, you want to build things that are, you know, fast and not bound by platform limits and they're testable and easy to debug and you can get a debug log if you want to. And, you can have a forever running debug log. You don't have to keep going and requesting it every, every debug 30 all minutes. the things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he says, you know, visual force to the rescue. And he's like, you probably, you probably expected that I would uh, be highlighting the new lightning component framework. However, I would argue that because our app is completely standalone, visual force is actually the superior choice. Visual force truly is a horrible framework for web applications. It's slow, <laughs> monolithic, extremely limited, and has been neglected worse than our country's crumbling infrastructure. <laughs> So why did we stick with it? Visual Force is great when it doesn't contain any Visual Force, and that's how I use it. It's just I always say I, I use it to kind of bootstrap a, an application up, yeah, like a, a single page application. Especially I mean. since now we we have all these different tags. Now we can we can apply a doc type to it. We can get rid of the header and the, the HTML body and everything. We just we're 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 down to just a page. And I've even found ways to to bring in Visual Force pages into like Salesforce Classic and and. Lex, is that is that how you yeah, say Lex? Yeah, we've been say Lex? saying Lex. Okay. Lex is a thing. I wasn't. I, I see people write Lex. I didn't know if that's how you say it. Yeah, right. okay. Yeah, it's a thing. I don't like um, it, but it's a thing. Kind of no, reminds me of Lex Luthor, so I'm yeah. like, ugh. But I've even I'm, I've even got to write successfully. Can bring it in, and it's it's um, oh maybe it's in an iframe. Is that how I did it? Knew that it didn't it didn't the styles didn't well, bleed across. It was in iframe. That's if, what it is. If, if if light if the Lex experience loads the Visual Force page, it's always in an iframe. Yeah, and, and I think I did some kind of clever JavaScript to, to keep the, the iframe sized correctly or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, cause that's always the problem with an iframe. If you just wanted to take up like all the space, whatever the space, that space happens to be. We can't do that anymore. Not with Lex. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Salesforce has done a lot of work to plug all these holes, including every, but that's not, not a every hole. That's not pa- a hole. Why, why would they prevent you from having an iframe that takes up the amount of space available? Be- because they don't, you, the only way you could do it, Officially, was if you were in the same domain. So if you had a page that was a Visual Force page, and your page was rendered inside of it, then you could reach out into the frame and resize the no, frame because yeah. it's in the same domain. But now everything has its own domain. Even managed packages get their own domain, so you can't even cross. You can't even cross streams with. Why am I saying cross streams so much? You can't even use like like. There were times where I could iframe into another application, but it would 
it would short circuit because the domains would switch. Well, it's not like the, the click jacking or what is it? Yeah, um, I'm just saying it, there were there were things where everything was was Apex yeah. Visual Force yeah. and everything was under the Visual Force. Every custom everything was custom was under Visual Force, but now it's your custom stuff is Visual Force and managed package stuff is um, their own domain. So like Squid, if I was doing some weird stuff where I was kind of injecting Squid here and there, it would break now because because Squid now has its own domain. Okay. Yeah, there's um there's an app in particular that I created a while back that I looked at the other day and it was still working great and I it I believe it's an I think it's Angular and it's in an iframe and so of course none of the styles bleed across and it stays sized perfectly and I need to go and look at what I I don't remember what I did on that one it works great really yeah yeah, I mean, you, you can do it, but you have to do kind of do some inception stuff. You have to create a top-level page that hosts your iframe, and then your subframe, because it's on the same domain, can now reach into that iframe and size it. As long as it's on the same domain, it'll let you do it. If it's not, then it won't let right. you. Right, yeah, yeah. Cross domain thing is always a problem. Yeah. You know, his stack is like is a, a React-based, but it, I don't think it... And if you want to use his... his I think, because I think it's like this is it's like an NPM package you can you know pull down or whatever, but it's got... It packages some of these things together. So it's got React, Redux, TypeScript, uh, Ant D, uh, TS Force, which is his like his like it's like a strongly type. Uh, what does he say? Strongly type Salesforce ORM uh, object relational mapper. Why so, does that scare me? An ORM on top of um, Salesforce. <laughs> yeah, that just scares me. And then of course it's like Webpack, and it uses the SFDX CLI. So anyway, he just like packages stuff up together and and, and made it work well. Apparently, yeah. Uh, but in, uh, just the general pattern though of using Visual Force, because that's that's the only thing we have. That's it's server side templated thing that can you can include. Well, also, basically I mean, just using it to include CSS files and JavaScript files and stuff, and that to 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 load a you know a Redux, or yeah, React app or a Vue app or Angular or whatever. Yeah, I don't think it. I think it works well with just traditional web. The the way the web traditionally loads resources. I mean, I think I mentioned before one of the issues with Lightning components is when you include external resources, you have to do so with a certain tag, and the, technically that's a AJAX call to get those resources. It's not part of the browser's standard. I mean, it might start incorporating gzip and all that kind of stuff, but it's just, it's it's a API call versus a browser. Here's these resources, go get them type situation. Hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a lot of dynamic stuff that I don't. I'm, don't even understand really how yeah. what's going on there. I, yeah, I'm not going to claim to understand it all, but I do know it causes issues performance wise. Yeah, and it kind of sucks to have to like you can't have multiple required statements. You have to have like maybe you can. That's not the way Salesforce taught me how to do it. Salesforce mm -hmm. taught me to create this one required element in my component, and I have to use like URL four, and I have to append all it, comma delimit all the resources that I want to load. So there's one required statement and it has a attribute for style sheets and attribute for JavaScript. And I have to basically create a list of all the URLs that I want to load. And so it's, it's not the most clean or. Well, or, maybe it optimizes that somehow if, since you that, give it that, all together. That's yeah. what I'm thinking yeah. is it does, it does so, so it has a chance of optimizing it, but it, from a readability markup standpoint, it really sucks. I, mm. I don't like it. Yeah. So. Well, John. I don't think I don't think I want to talk about is we we know we had this we've had we've had this issue before like in the Slack but people coming in wanting it coming in just to either sell stuff or advertise things or you know the big one is recruiters and that that 
to happen again today. So we need to, we need, let's have a quick meeting. I was going to suggest a meeting. So I'm thinking on the sign up page for the, for the Slack, because it's just a text box and a button, right? I think we need to like a little, hey, here's our three rules. Don't be a, don't be a dick. <laughs> don't advertise. And there's no recruiting. Well, the adverti- now, we, do, we do have an exception. The advertising thing, I, I don't want to put a firm rule on. I mean, it, I, I, I think do. more than anything, it's... I do. Really? I'm like, no, I'm not going to give people free advertising. Well, it'll be spam city if we do that. No, I mean, I, I think the language should be no spamming. But I mean, I think if you're, if you're a member of the community and you contribute and you interact and you go, hey, my company's hiring that's, anyone interested. That's the exception. I just I, or like, I created yeah. this new product or my company created this new product. Here's a link. That's, I mean, right. That's fine. And I've always said, but I think that if, you're, just, if like the first thing you do when you log into the Slack is start posting ads, that's that's not being part of the community. No, not at all. It just it's full out spam. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've always said if you are directly hiring, like your company, like you are hiring, or or someone at your company is hiring, it's a direct thing. It's not a third party thing. You're not a recruiter or whatever. Then I'm fine with those. Yeah, I am too. I I, don't, I just I don't. I don't know. I mean, I can put some stuff on on the link itself. I just and the thing is, we make it I think hard enough to get in because it's since it is a manual process. And I'm just I'm just not about. I mean, I do kind of look at the email address to see if it's like some non-existent email address or something that's already been flagged as some kind of spam bot or something. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, I try not to discriminate. I'm trying. I try not to assume that that's why you want to join the community is to spam. So I let. Well, this one was obvious because I looked up the person's domain name or their email, and it, I mean, it's a recruiting company. It is a recruiting, but who's to say as someone who's a recruiter doesn't want to be a part of the Salesforce community and wants to know uh, what how me. developers think? And me, developers I, I, I'm think. totally okay with saying that. If you don't feel good about saying that, I will say that. <laughs> okay. There's only one reason they're coming in. See, I think maybe just a few rules up there. Anyway, uh, since we've been talking about the Slack community, John, how how do the non-spamming people who just want to join the community, join our community, and and they can, you know, you can lurk. Lurking is fine. That's totally within the rules. Uh, But if you, yeah, if you want to join the community and join the discussion and hang out with some fun and smart people, how would you do that? You would go to our website, www.gooddaysirpodcast.com. Click on community, or you can go to yeah, this, it's what, I always say the URL, but I don't think anyone does that. You, you interrupted your own www.gooddayservepodcast.com <laughs> forward slash community or click on the link. This is so hard community. for you. This is so outside of your thing to announce something like that. And by the way, contra- well, because I had a different thought in mind before we got to that. So I was, I was really focused on what I wanted to say before you okay. make me uh, advertise yeah. on the I, podcast. You know, you know, I make you do that, right? No, because you hate doing it. I know. <laughs> You should always do the things you hate so you yeah, get better at that's it and comfortable yeah, with I'm it. just looking out for you, John. Try I've been doing that since I was in high school. I joined drama club in high school because I was such that's an introvert. That's why you're such a drama queen. I was such an introvert. I, I could not talk to people. And I, I mean, I was one of those kids that moved around a lot. I mean, I was on my fourth high school before I graduated. So I moved around a lot. And yeah. so being outgoing and confident wasn't a thing for me. And I remember looking at my electives and going, I'm going to try drama club and see if I can get a little bit better at being open. And you know what happened to me? The worst thing happened to me. We all had to do these skits. And I spent so much time helping other people doing skits because I didn't want to do my own skit because I was so shy. And my the at the end of it, I didn't do a skit. And the teacher said, you have to do a skit or you're going to fail. And I was like, but I helped everyone else with their skits. He's like, that's not the grade. Yep. And so I, I grabbed, someone had like uh, some Pearl Jam 
a, a tape. And so I get, because I, this was like last minute, yep. I'm about to fail. Yeah. And so I, I, I sent it up to play this Pearl Jam song and I got up on stage with a single microphone by myself and lip synced a Pearl Jam song. You lip sync? Well, yeah. Oh, I mean, okay. <laughs> you, that's what I did. How was your grade? I passed. You passed? Okay, good. And other people came up and said, you should have told me. I would have helped you with that. We could have done this thing and this and that. But I mean, I was just, I was just such an introvert. Yeah. I just. You just, you were dreading doing a skit. I was dreading it the whole time <laughs> yeah. and I put it off so long that uh, I. So instead of helping you, that class just extremely damaged you, (laughs) scarred you for life. (laughs) No, I, I, you know what I learned? I learned I can go up there and lip sync and be completely embarrassed and survive it. Yeah, that's true. You know, the world didn't end. I didn't die. No one made fun of me for it. I mean, in fact, more people were supportive than anything. I learned. That's that's one of those things in life. You have to learn how to ask yourself, what's the worst thing that could possibly happen? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Usually that helps put things in perspective. But when you're a kid, everything is like huge. Oh, Every, everything seems to be life and life and death. Uh, yeah, everything is life and death. <laughs> My life is over if I'm uh, embarrassed. Yes, if some girl laughs at me, I'm just I'm dead. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was my experience with the high school drama. Well, John, do you have any topics? I do. Okay. Um, I did want to talk about this uh, uh, the squid mil- milu milu milau. What's that bridge called? Do you know how to pronounce it? I have no idea what you're talking about. I was talking to some of the squid guys, and I don't think they know how to pronounce that one. How do you spell it? M-I-L-L-A-U, I think, or U-A, something like that. Well, that's that. probably Malo. It's a bridge. Let's see. Like, all their releases are a bridge right now. That's their theme. Huh. Bridges. What happened to um, Bonsai? I don't know. I liked Bonsai. Those were plants. Bonsai was fun. And the plants. Uh, what is that? It's got to be in French, France somewhere, right? I yeah. no idea. Oh, yeah, it's in French Occitane. So is it Melo? That's, that's where they speak the long doke. You know, you got the in France, France you, you get two, really two main languages. People don't realize this. The, the long, what? The, the long, long what? Long dwe and the long doke. The long dwe and the light. So, yeah, because the, the, the southern, the long doke, that's the, in the, more in the south. And you'll notice, like, things don't follow normal French pronunciation rules in the south and near as well. And hmm. uh, it's because it's actually from a different language. Occitanians or whatever they're called. But yeah, the, so they call it Languedoc because in like normal French, Languedoc, that's, it's the language of, both of them mean language, the language of yes, but it's how you say yes. How you say yes in French? French. It's we. Oui, we. Oui. Right? So the Languedoc. Oui. Huh. And in the Occitan language, it's oak. So it's the Languedoc. You know, you never but, cease to amaze me with where you, <laughs> I know, can, I, it could be some <laughs> random topic and you come up with something. <laughs> Jeremy's not reading off a screen. He's staring directly at me having this conversation. (laughs) I don't know where he keeps this information. (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately, that's pretty much all my brain holds is useless information. Yeah. Well, it works for a podcast. (laughs) So anyways, um, so the latest updates started breaking a lot of my older stuff, I thought. And so, and and hopefully it helps someone out Hmm. there kind of avoid what I went through. I thought I had to go through and update all my pages and everything. It turns out that what they were really trying to do is expose errors that were already occurring, but were just kind of getting lost. They were kind of getting eaten up. So there, there are situations where a field existed at one point in time and has been removed, but Squid was really unaware of that. It wasn't part of the whole dependency model thing. So it, it would display the page and just ignore the field. And the user would go on happy knowing that the, and just the field wouldn't be on the screen or it would, it would just sit in the model, but it's not actually holding any data. Um, and if you interacted with it, of course, you'd get an error but any kind of error sitting around. So one of the recent changes they made with this release is that it would actually show an error saying, hey, there's this field on this model that 
the user doesn't have access to. Um, and I was panicking. I was like, it's all these screens have this issue. Yeah. <laughs> but it was also happening for um, users that on fields that existed, but the user didn't have access to. I was like, oh, crap. Well, now what am I going to have to do? Am I going to have to have a separate page for every user because of this? Well, it turns out that they were only showing these error messages for people who were considered builders, page builders. And that meant people who had access to edit mm. the page object that squid, that where all these pages get stored. And uh, for some reason or another, all these users had edit access to pages, mm. even though they shouldn't have. Yeah. And so they were seeing these errors. And um, so it turns out the fix is easy. You just go to their profile and remove edit access and make sure they don't have access and the errors go away. But for someone like me who's editing pages, when I go in, I'll see the error. And since I'm system admin, if there's, some, if there's an error showing up, that means the field got deleted and I can address it. So it, it works out. But it was just one of those moments in time where we did this upgrade and all these errors started showing up and we panicked. Because I was like, oh, crap, now I got to go update all this stuff. And it's not like one error. It'd be like a page full of like 36 errors, you know, yep. <laughs> panic-inducing number of errors. That reminds me of two things. One of them's completely kind of random. <clears throat> I'm sure it reminded me of this. Uh, I've seen a lot of, I'm seeing m m more and more Salesforce developers start to come, starting to complain about the things that I've been complaining about for years. Like what? Like mainly like, no, just, well, just like, you know, how do you deploy this? Even though that we've got some, there's some new packaging stuff and you got DX, whatever it's like, still there's just like these fundamental problems that until they, until they fix the me whole metadata system, these problems are, you, I don't care how many layers of lipstick you gloss over it with, you still have this problem. Yeah. But one thing, I, and so there's, I've just seen a lot of people complaining about just the deployment issues. Um, but one thing I th was, I've always wondered, like, how do you manage this? Like, so, you know, when you log into Salesforce and I think it's, is it when you go into setup? I can't remember, but you get this, uh, if you're an administrator, you get this message. It's like, Hey, you've got all these critical updates. Do you want to look at these? And you can go and rec install some or you can you can put mm -hmm. them off for a while or whatever well those technically are kind of like part of your build it's part of your it's part of your runtime environment mm -hmm. how do you deploy that how do you say okay we approve this build it worked great in this org how do you say okay all of its critical updates whichever ones were installed weren't installed we need to deploy that same thing to this production org yeah i don't think you do I because think those are those will make or break your application in many cases. They change the way stuff works. That's where you have to get governance and <laughs> enable test. That, and no, I agree. I agree, deploy. but this governance should be automatable. That's the problem. Yeah. And if it's all manual, then it's just, you could just forget it. Well, I mean, it's, it's the whole reason that automation around deployments exists is that you can't rely on people to remember to do these, even with a checklist, to do these manual activities. Not only that, it's very time consuming. Yeah. Anyway, just a thought. If anyone has any solutions out there, maybe maybe that is deployable nowadays. Maybe there's a yeah. I've never critical known it to update be. settings.xml or something. I've never known it to be. Da or sorry, would it be dash meta? There are some things that are deployable that I think it should not be deployable, like automatically activating your, your community portal whenever you deploy it. That's going to be dangerous. It's very dangerous. <laughs> yep. Yeah, if you just as much as check that active box or deploy the settings file with it being active, any users who have that profile yeah the community profile will get the invitation email yeah my scenario was pretty much benign because i was creating a new one and there was nobody really assigned to it yet yeah. but i can see a scenario where you deactivated the portal you're making some changes you forget to deactivate or you or for some reason you include the settings file 
and you publish that, and now all of a sudden your portal's reactivated because you've pushed some some stuff to production. Of course, you shouldn't be pushing unless you're going to enable, but maybe there's this whole... Usually with portals, there's this whole oh, kind I of... I totally disagree with that statement. You should totally push and net not be enabled. That's called feature enablement. And that's, that's, that's a major technique of modern software Feature enablement? What is this thing I called know. feature enablement? Yeah. Did or you, feature feature flags, I guess people call that it. You, uh, that you speak of. Yeah, I know. Um, but your story did remind me of uh, something that happened to me very recently. That And this will be, I guess, my last thing. Um, and it's about software breaking. Mm-hmm. And so I've got, uh, it was, this was a Java application. And it's one of those things that I always tell clients, you know, listen, um, you know, Java's pretty damn good at, like, you know, I build this thing for you and it's just pretty much going to work. Um, I mean, there's, there's, you know, through, through, through time, right? I mean, you can, you know, you can upgrade your, your J, your JRE, you know, over time. And it's just, it's very, Java's a very forwards compatible thing, I guess. Is that the word? Yeah. Forwards compatible thing. Just same way of saying bloated, but okay. I'm not, <laughs> I don't disagree with that. Something's if it's bloated, backwards but I'm not compatible, sure. at, at some point it's going to be bloated. No, it's not bad. It's forwards compatible, right? I guess, I guess the JREs are backwards compatible. Anyway, and that isn't pretty much, I don't, I can't think of when that's ever bit me until uh, really recently. Hmm. So I've been developing out. Okay, so Java has switched to like the just snail's pace of releases, major releases to this like every. I think it's an every six month thing. Because I mean, forever. Like I mean, we've gone what f- f- almost five years between Java releases in the past. I might be exaggerating. Several multi year between major Java releases, mm-hmm. and now they're doing every six months, which I think is great. I mean, that's the whole world has moved to that, right? And you've got. You know, companies companies used to deploy software every two weeks are now deploying, you know, 150 times a day and (laughs) giant platform companies that used to release a new major version every three or four years are now doing it every six months. That's not a joke. There are companies doing continuous integration that are releasing as soon as it. Oh, yeah. You push it to master and it's in production. This happens again on the order of hundreds of times per day. But they're also using techniques that when something goes wrong, it's just and you don't there's no there's no rolling back. No, it's fix it. You roll forward. You fix it. And yeah. So, you're you're one smart fella, John. Yeah, I listen. I listen to this podcast <laughs> yeah, called Good Days for Podcast, and I pick up a few things here and there. But so so Java starting with nine has started to modularize the basically the the stock runtime or the 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 JRE. It's split up into pieces to make it you know I don't know faster to download. I figured it's better better architecture. It's been they've been trying to do this forever, and they finally started doing it. And so a lot of the things. So what happened is. They begin to modularize, and now like the base things that is available in the runtime is actually a subset of what used to be. Mm. It used to be everything was in the runtime basically. Now that now it's a subset, and Are so you able to, like pick and choose from that, or well, kind of. So, so what happened was this application depended on like some of the web service stuff that's always been in the Java runtime, and it's now no longer in the core one. So they mm. got to run this application after they upgraded to Java ten. And it says, oh, uh, class not found exception. I'm like, what do you mean class not found exception? And it's like this, you know, it's the JAX WS service class or something. And it turns out that, yeah, that's not, that's not a part of the core default, like, module, I guess. And you can, you can modify it because, and it's, and it's annoying because it's in this, it's in this, like, uh, they're running this on Windows, so it's a batch file. But I could I could edit that batch file where it actually calls Java and launches the program. You can there's flags you can pass in mm-hmm. that are 
that will that you can because those modules are, are there they sh they're still shipping with the jvm they're just not included unless you tell it to include this included meaning in the runtime in the runtime making making it available to your application so physically they're there but yes memory they're just, wise they're not yeah they're just not made available i wonder if that's a reaction to just kind of how much memory space it takes for like all these devices that are starting to use them, uh, yeah, like IOTs I mean, of the world. Uh, I'm not, yeah, it could. It's that's part of it actually. That's actually yeah. part of the motivation. But I, I, that's a conversation for another day because it's it's complicated and, it's, and I'm not smart enough to, I'm not educated <laughs> enough on that to, to speak to it. But suffice it to say that yeah, these n needed classes were not available to my application anymore. But there are these flags you can pass to the JVM that will include them. Mm -hmm. That's great. So I could. I guess I can modify my build process now to tune to for the launching script. It includes these flags, except that if you run those flags on Java eight, it doesn't know about those flags and says, and it fails. It yeah. won't run. So now it's like, what do you have? A what do you have? Can, you know, like run application Java eight dot bat. Run application Java nine dot bat. I mean, you have these different batch files. <laughs> like this is a mess. Why are you running two versions? No, nah, but, but the truth is, well, so what the the right solution is and. And there's downsides of this too, but I, I, you know, just to produce a new build where I am explicitly including these things in my Uber jar, you know, in my, mm -hmm. in my, well, I'm pretty, I think this is a zip actually. It's a, it's a zip. And then there's a, there's a whole directory that's full of all the, um, dependencies. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just in, I include it in my application. And so that's, that works on Java 8 through Java 10. Or, but, it, but the thing that's annoying though is that is number one, I, I'm actually having to like, you know, rebuild the application and then get it out to, and luckily it's a small number of customers, but what if, what if this is something that uh, they had thousands of customers or whatever? It's like, oh, you just have to reinstall this software. I mean, that that's can be a problem in a lot of cases. Yeah, I can, I can see that being a problem. But it also kind of breaks that, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't, I just haven't been following the Java modularity thing that closely because I don't care that much about it. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things I, ha I, mean, I have to care about it now because it's breaking my stuff. They moved your cheese. They did. They didn't tell me. <laughs> well, they guess they did tell me. I just wasn't listening enough. But it's just annoying because, again, that's one of those things I've always told people. Like, And it's never really been a problem. Like, I deliver them an application. They just they run it on They ran it on Java 5, and they ran it on Java 6, and they ran it on Java 7, and they ran it on Java 8 over the course of you know, over a decade. Well, it's good to know. I hope Salesforce knows that. Salesforce is pretty good at that, too. I mean, they're, you know, <laughs> it's, it's difficult. And things, well, not only for that, but they wrong, have the data but, loaders Java. Yeah, it so is. We have to make sure we're on the right well, version. Salesforce is a giant Java shop. I mean, they're they got it covered. Well, until they bought Exact Target, they were pretty much exclusively a Java shop. And now yeah. they bought so many companies, they've just got everything. I mean, they've got it's just a big mish, mishmash. Yeah. Well, all right, John. That's all I got. Um, we need uh, we need feedback and emails from you guys. Yeah, send us some topics. Yeah. We didn't have any topics, have any so week. you had to listen to me drone on about Java and stuff. Info at gooddaysirpodcast.com. Questions and topics, please. Reviews are always nice. We'd like to get feedback. Yep. Always fun. Um, well, gonna yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, I mean, our, 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 our numbers are slowly growing and the, the Slack keeps getting bigger. It's always yeah. good. That means we're, I don't know. People are somewhat engaged and interested. We, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> We might keep doing this for a little bit longer. We'll see. It's <laughs> no one can resist watching a train wreck, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> and to that, I say, good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. <laughs>